what's next? What's next? Uh, this series is continuing this Sabbath. Pastor Sam is going to carry us next week and until the finish line. And I know he's prepared something because he's already been telling me stuff that he wants to talk about. And I'm saying, Pastor, hold up. Let me finish my turn. You're going to get there. You know what I mean? But I know he has prepared some good stuff for us to finish out this series. We're in the book of Joshua because Joshua is transitioning to the next thing. The next thing. And that's where some of us are today. We are wondering about the next opportunity. And this series, Sister Susan, is here to help you to transition to the next thing. And she's nodding her head like, like that. So we were in chapter 2 last week. And I said to you, go see the land. And there are two things you must pay attention to when you go see the land. In other words, you want to review the situation before you commit to the situation. And there are two things I need you to know about whatever next is for you. You're going to meet Sister Lydia at Jericho. And as you hear the sound, that's Jericho for me, but I'm not going to start preaching. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm Distractions or not, I'm going to continue doing what I got to do. So wherever you're going next, there is a Jericho. But at the same time, Sister Nova, there is a Rahab for you to rehab. There is somebody where you're going next that needs your help, that needs your expertise, that needs your resources, that needs your time, that you are there to help. Let's get into the word. Joshua chapter 3. If you got your Bibles, turn there to Joshua chapter 3. It's a little bit, it's a, it's a lot of scripture this morning that I want to read. But sometimes we need to read a lot more scripture to get a lot more context. Joshua chapter 3. And we are going to pick it up in verse number one. Kindly join me in standing as we read Joshua chapter 3. You're going to need your Bibles this morning because I didn't put on the screen. So Joshua chapter 3, slide, flip, turn, whatever you got to do as we get into the word this morning. When you got it, say, Pastor, read. Should I read, Sister Timmy? She's nodding her head. All right. Let's do this. The text says, then Joshua rose early in the morning and set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people. Please pay attention to what they commanded. As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go. Please pay attention to this one. For you have not passed this way before. It's time for the first time. You ain't been here before. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. Jump to verse 10. Verse number 10. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Havites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, and the Amorites, 
and the Jebusites. Behold, this is how you know, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Verse 14, jump right there. This is what the text says. So when the people set out, you got to go. When the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Pay attention to this. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood up and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those following down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Here's the last verse. Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. It's time for the first time. Let us pray. Father God, there is a noise beeping. I don't know what it is, but Lord, help us to figure that out and shut it off. And help our minds to be connected to you, Lord. This we humbly pray and we plead in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Not really sure why the beeping is right there. I don't know. But that's the first time that I'm preaching and it's beeping. <laughs> and the beep is even going crazy. <laughs> so I'm really wondering what's happening. <laughs> Pastor Sam, maybe it's your turn. <laughs> Joshua and the Israelites depart Abel Shittim and they land at the lip, Brother Ernest, of the Jordan. When they get to the lip of the Jordan, they lodge their Tigahari. They stay there for three days. Three days because it's the first time, Sister Gaska. They're nervous. There are jitters running in their stomach. They, they've never done it before. And somebody is right there today. You are camping somewhere. It's not three days for you. It's been three years. It's not three days for you. It's been three weeks. It's not three days for you. It's been three months. You are lodging there because what you see in front of you is the first time. Dr. Regina, you, you've never been there before. You, you, you're wondering how you're going to cross over. You're wondering how you're going to step over. You're wondering how the money is going to come in. You're wondering how you're going to get the health in order for you to travel with your family to the place you've never been. You, you are lodging there. You are staying there. You are, you are camped right there. But what I love about Joshua is that Joshua and the people do not allow a lack of experience, Sister Pam, to keep them from gaining experience. Yes, they are virgins in this experience, but 
they will not allow their virginity to keep them from breaking it in. So they, 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 they're going to cross over. They're going to get experience. They're going to know how it goes. They're going to learn about it. And they're going to talk to somebody about it. They're, they're going to figure it out. And so Joshua stands up. And Joshua says to the people, Brother Jonathan, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet, watch this, there shall be a distance between you and it, about 200 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not been this way before. For you have not passed this way before. And many of us, we, strum, we stumble right here. We hover at the first time. We wonder at the first time. We worry about the first time. And we're talking about what we don't have. We think about the experience we've never had. We think about the degrees that we don't have. We think about how young we are. We think about we've never been to that school before. We think about the professor that is well known has never, has never advised me. The pastor who preaches good sermons and leads people to Jesus has never talked to me about my sin. Talked to me about my family. So how can I do this? And somebody is right there today. And the reason for that is because you and I, Keisha, we like routine. We like routine. We want to wake up in the morning, go to the bathroom, drink our favorite coffee, put on our favorite pajamas, or you're supposed to be sleeping in pajamas. We read our favorite newspaper, or we don't read newspapers now, we, we watch Instagram. That, that's routine. <laughs> and we love what we're familiar with. Because what's unfamiliar, Sister Timmy, is scary. That good. <laughs> we're afraid. <laughs> and somebody's afraid today. <laughs> Ducking <laughs> the person. <laughs> you see them there? <laughs> and so some of you oh, leave church. Not there, you leave there. <laughs> And I said, wait, I saw the person in church. <laughs> How come they, I'm waiting there? They, they left there. You don't want to talk about it. And some of us, we are, we are, we are right there. We, we've always lived in that same neighborhood. Another neighborhood? You want me to leave? South Jakarta and go to North Jakarta? No. East to West? No. You want me to go to No, I've always been here. This is my family residence. Some of us will not try a new drink because all we know is shiboba and green tea. And some of us will, we, some of us will not try or will stay in the same groups because that's a group from high school. Some of us will be in the same careers. Why? Because that is a career that our parents chose for us. And some of us, we are dating the same person and it's been 10 years. Some of us, listen to me, are reading the same books. Why? Because these are the books that are current right now. We don't want to read books in the past. The books from 50 years ago, no, those are too old. Some of us, it's a King James Version because that's a holy version. <laughs> NLT, NIV, that, that version has so many, many mistakes. We love routine. But listen to me. Listen to me. 
You can be stuck if you stick to familiar. Ooh, the church is quiet up in here. Brother Malolo, are you here? Did you hear what I said? You can be stuck if you stick to the familiar. Uh, let me drop it like this. Never allow the familiar to take up space that belongs to the unfamiliar. Ah, church, do you hear me this morning? Okay, so let me put it to you like this so you can feel it. It's 2016, December. I am in the Philippines. I visit Cebu, Philippines, and I go to Kawasan Falls in Cebu, Philippines. And when we go to this place, I'm with some friends, and I see people, Sister Dita, jumping off the falls. The falls is 20 meters high. And I'm seeing girls jumping off 20 meters high. And I'm like Pastor Sam. We have a complicated relationship with heights. <laughs> the other day he visited my, my place and uh, he said, hey, what, what level are you on? I'm saying I'm on the 39th floor. He says, Oof. He, he started praying. I said, I'm praying for you too, Pastor. <laughs> but some of us have a complicated relationship with heights, but I'm seeing girls jumping off. The Kawasan Falls. And my ego is talking to me like, come on, Henry. You can't let a girl outdo you. Come on, man. Be a man about this. So I climb up to where people are jumping off. And when I look down, 20 meters doubled to 40 meters. And I said, no, no, no. I'm a black man. I'm not about to die <laughs> jumping off something. So I, I went back down. And... Uh, my, my, my friend says to me, Henry, man, it's about time that you become a man. It's about, now, he's talking me up, but he's in the pool. And out of pride, I climb up there. And, and you know what? I said, today I think I'm dying. But, you know, I'm not going to let my pride hold me. I'm not going to let people look at me as weak. So, so I closed my eyes. I just, I just went straight and I went stiff and I jumped in there. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm seeing Jesus after I opened my eyes after this. But you know what? I jumped in. I was in a pool. And you know what? I felt different. I felt liberated. And when I walked out of the pool, man, my, my chest was up. Because, watch this, I did not allow the unfamiliar to take up, I mean, the familiar to take up the place. Of the unfamiliar. I was able to move out of my comfort zone. I had to be pushed about it. I had to be uh, poked about it. But I was able to move. And listen to me, my brother and my sister. You are that place today. And God is saying, move. I know you're scared. I know you're wondering how it's going to be like. And I know you feel like your ego is being pushed. But get up and jump. What I didn't tell you is that when I went down the Kawasan Falls and way back up, uh, Brother Gunawan, is that I had uh, people from the UK, people from Germany, people from the US saying, Henry, jump, 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 jump. And now the whole world, <laughs> I feel like Queen Elizabeth, the whole world is jumping, is clapping for me. Understand, child of God, God is clapping for you. Amen, somebody? God is saying, apply, apply, apply. God is saying, talk, talk, talk. God is saying, invest, invest, invest. God is clapping for you because God wants you to elevate. God wants you to go where you've never been. God wants your family to be spiritual. God wants you to work in the best place. God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be strong. It will only happen when you say, 
familiar, I'm gone with you. I'm done with you. I'm breaking up with you. I'm going to marry the unfamiliar. I'm going to do what I've never done. Yeah, yeah, Riley. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> He's saying, I'm going there. Pastor, uh, your boy is saying, I'm going there. Sister Gesca, your boy is saying, I'm going there. You and I need to go there. <laughs> you ain't never been. That's all right. <laughs> I love this little man. The other, the other day, <laughs> I, I, I went to visit Pastor and... Um, I went to visit pastor and they, this young boy would not let me go. I said, I have to go and uh, pray for somebody. He says, no, pastor, I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> and I had to stay right there. <laughs> and for some of you, that's where God is, is telling you, I'm not done with you yet. Come on now. I'm not finished with you. <laughs> they may be finished with you, but I'm not. They may not like where you are, but I still like you. <laughs> Amen, somebody? Some of you woke up this morning feeling less than of yourself. Cut that out. Because <laughs> the Bible says you are fearful and wonderfully made. <laughs> and God is saying, I'm not done with you yet. But now we need to ask ourselves an important question. So how do we go from where we are to where we've never been? How do you get to the place where you transition from the known to the unknown? How do you do it for the first time? Notice what Joshua says. He says, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Here it is. Take it to the bank. Follow God's pace. Joshua is telling the people, it's the first time I know. But you don't have to go there on your own speed, at your own pace. Follow God's pace. And this is where many of us struggle. Because when God is pacing, sometimes the pace is a little too slow. Abraham had to wait for 25 years. But he was on God's pace. But you know along the way, <laughs> he, you know, Ishmael, you know about him, right? Mm -hmm. because God's pace is often too slow. But, but Joshua is reminding the people, let God be your pace setter. Let God be the pace decider. Brother Erwin, Erwin, God is saying, let God be the one who is leading the way. I know you're educated. I know you got the degrees. I know you have the experience, but no, 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 no. Let God lead the way. And as, you so, as soon as you see God leading the way, go along the way. Uh, I, I like to borrow the words of one preacher. He says, faith often dies in the waiting room. Faith often dies in the waiting room because when God is not operating according to our schedule, we strategize. <laughs> okay. I've been waiting for one year. Patiently going to church. Praying for him or her. They haven't come. So I'm going to find a way to make it happen. <clears throat> so we force God 
to join our plan. We, we tell God, God, this is what I want. This is what I believe I should have. And so when God is taking his time, our faith dies. And today there is somebody in the waiting room. It's been five years. You ain't been promoted. It's been two years. And you're stuck at the same level. Ten years. And you still see yourself the same. So when is God going to come through? God has forgotten me. God doesn't care about me. I wish I could tell you some of the encounters I have when people are dealing with struggling faith. Uh, but I'm going to be a little bit pastoral about it. But what I know is that you and I do not like waiting. Just get on the, on, on the roads in Jakarta. Beep, 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 beep. I'm like, hey, can I just turn, please? <laughs> you go to the mall, <laughs> everybody's cramming into the elevator. And I'm like, can I get out, please? And that's our culture. Who wants to make spaghetti when you can have Indomie? (laughs) Spaghetti takes time. Indomie, just pop that in there. Who who, who should cook when there is a war room everywhere? (laughs) Go food. Grab food. Because waiting is hard. But please understand, God is telling the Israelites... Joshua is telling the Israelites, Israelites, please move when God is moving. When God is rested, you rest. When God has paused, you pause. Because the Ark of the Covenant never moved unless God wanted to move. God never took action until he wanted to. And Reva's getting this. Because you and I need to get to the place. Listen to me. We need to get to the place that waiting is not a time to doubt God. But waiting is a time to still trust God. But to use the waiting period to develop. Uh, Let me put it to you like this. When I'm waiting, I always carry a book. So when I'm waiting, even though the doctor is taking long, even though the, the, the nurse may be taking long, but I got a book to read. And sometimes... My greatest thoughts for sermons come not when I'm at the desk at home, but they come when I'm moving and I'm waiting for something or for somebody. (laughs) So use your waiting time to develop yourself. Because God sometimes will wait because he knows you ain't ready for it yet. He knows if I bring you first without developing you first, right here, right now, when you get there, it's going to be a disaster. So you and I can take a cue from the Israelites, from Joshua, to allow God to, say, to set the pace. Move when you see God move. But here it is, brother and sister. For the Israelites, they, the Ark of the Covenant was like their GPS. When it was moving, they moved. Sister Madeline, here's where the problem is. You and I don't have the Ark of the Covenant. You understand what I'm saying? They could see an ark move, but you and I don't see an ark move. So, so, so then, yes, I want to move on God's schedule, Brother Benson, but I don't see an ark. So I, I, was, I was debating in my head. I said, so what am I going to tell church when they tell me, Pastor, I'm really committed to what God wants me 
to do. I, I want to really move my life according to your schedule, but I need an ark. <laughs> but there's no ark today. The ark was like your passport. Your passport represents your citizenship. It says you are an Indonesian. The ark was a representative of the presence of God. It was an object, Sister Charmaine, that represented the presence of God. It was not the presence of God. Mm. Mm. Can I backtrack? It was an object that represented the presence of God, but it was not the presence of God. Because God is not limited to an object. Okay, I'm not preaching yet because you're not getting this yet. So I'm going to help you get it. It was an object that functioned as a representative of the presence of God. But what I do know about God is God is not limited to an object. God is not limited to a place. God is omnipresent. God is here at the same time he's in the UK. God is here at the same time he is in the government council room. God is here, but at the same time, he's watching the traffic. You're not hearing what I'm saying. God is not limited to an object. And for somebody who needs an ark, please understand you do not need an ark. God can be with you anywhere, however, whenever. Amen, somebody. And so to me, I'm confident that God is with me. I'm confident that I can see God's presence even if I don't see an object. Okay, let me put it to you like this. How many of you can see your Wi-Fi? I know you see the modem, but how many of you see the connection? You don't see the connection, right? But you know it's there. When you want to download, it's there. And you and I need to come to the place that it's not because of a place. That because it's not of an object, but we can believe that wherever God is, wherever I am, God's presence is Right there. And so Joshua, to me, though he's telling the people, look at the ark, he's not focused on the ark. And I'm going to teach you in a moment. But let me drop it like this. Let us not limit God to objects. Let objects serve their purpose. But pastor, you're not helping me out because I still can't figure this out. How did they follow God? They had an ark. I don't have an ark. How did they do it? So let me drop it to you like this. Notice what, what Joshua calls the ark. He calls it the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God. It was not the ark. It was the covenant. The people of Israel were in a covenant relationship with God. And because of a covenant relationship with God, then they could follow God. What is a covenant, Pastor? Break it down. A covenant is a contract. And many of us sign contracts. It's an agreement between two parties. A covenant happens when people get married. A covenant happens when you agree that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up. I'm going to bring 10%. You bring 50%. That is a covenant. So the covenant was, I am your God. You are my people. And a covenant always has obligations. It always has requirements that people in the agreement are supposed to follow. Mm. And that's how covenant works best. 
So the people of Israel agreed, Lord, we're going to follow your will. We're going to follow your way. Whatever you tell us to do, that is what we're going to do. And the ark simply represented that. What I'm trying to tell somebody is this. It's not the object that you need to worry about. You need to worry about being in a covenant relationship with God. I don't have to worry and wonder what is happening in JCC. It comes to me. People call me, Pastor, this is what's happening to me. Pastor Sam will hit me up. And some of you who hit me up. Why? Because you and I, we're in a covenant relationship. We are in the same spot. You see me as the pastor. Are you feeling what I'm saying? If you and I are in a relationship with God, we don't have to wonder where to go. We don't have to worry how it is going to turn out. Because God is going to let us know. God is going to give us the inside information. So for somebody who is wondering, Lord, where should I take my life? Lord, where should I study next? Lord, how should I maneuver in this career change? Lord, it's a pandemic. I don't know how my business is going to survive. Lord, I'm struggling at home with my, my children. That should not be your concern. Your concern should be, Lord, I want to connect to you. Lord, I want to know you. Lord, I want to be dedicated to you. And when you are there, when you're dedicated, God is going to show you the direction. <laughs> He's going to show you the way you should go. So don't worry about an object. Don't worry about listening to a sermon. Don't worry about somebody praying for you. Be in a covenant relationship with God. And here it is, brother and sister. The Ark of the Covenant was always hidden in the, in the tabernacle. It wasn't out in the open. It only came out when God was ready to move, Sister Charmaine. Here it is. We have a man who, like the Ark of the Covenant, also came out. He was hidden in heaven. But he decided to show up like a baby in Bethlehem. He didn't have money. He didn't have anything. He walked the streets of earth. And then he climbed on the tree. And on the tree, he sealed a new covenant by his blood. And before he died, he said to his disciples, This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I want somebody to understand, you can have a covenant relation with God because of the blood of Jesus. And if you simply say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I believe in you. Lord, take away my sins. You are in a covenant relation with him. And you no longer have to worry about your life. You no longer have to worry about what you're going to eat. You no longer have to worry about what's, how it's going to be like. Because when you encounter with God through Jesus Christ, he will take care of you. He'll take care of it. He'll take care of the situation. Amen somebody. This is the blood. This is the blood. This is the blood. And here it is brother and sister. It's hard to follow the pace of a God who you're not in covenant relationship with. It's hard. So let me explain to you. Sometimes when you're on the tow road you're driving. It's machet. All of a sudden, you see a police escort. This police escort clears the way and pushes people out of the way. And you notice something that when the police escort is moving, it's blinking lights. And all the cars following the police escort are blinking lights. <laughs> because they are 
they are following the same pace. They are in a covenant relationship. And those of us who are not in that relationship have to move out of the way. And even if we try to join the, 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 the motorcade, sometimes a police officer will stop and say, hey, you're not a part of this covenant. Stay on the side. And brother and sister, listen to me. When you're in covenant relation with God, he will open the way for you. He will open the doors that seem to be closed. He will clear things out. All you got to do is to follow his pace, follow his way, follow his will, and you're going to get there. Amen, somebody. So follow God's pace. That simply means being covenant with God. God has your back. God is going to take care of you. You see wonders in your life. Sometimes I don't have to pray for things. Things just come. Because God is already seeing me. God is already leading my life, reading my life, and he knows Henry needs money. He knows Henry needs help. And that's the beautiful thing about serving God, because sometimes, Brother Ernest, I'm looking for somebody to serve. And somebody say, Pastor, I want to do more for God. I didn't ask. It just comes. You might be leaving your house one day. You're wondering, where am I going to print the documents? And someone may just show up and say, you know what? There's a place that you can print documents at. You may be wondering, how am I going to get a new job? Hey, you, you're, you're trying to figure it out. But someone may just call you and say, you know what? I got a job for you. Why? Because those who are in covenant relation with God, God looks out for them. He takes care of them. He's there for them. He holds them up. He guides them because God takes care of his own. And brother and sister, it's time that we're in covenant with God. It's time that we are committed to God. It's time to say, you know what? Lord, I'm going to follow you no matter what. Let me drop one last thing before we put this thing to bed. Not only should you follow God's pace, you got to give God space. Notice what Joshua says. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not been, you have not passed this way before. 200 cubits equals 850 meters. So God is here. The people were at the back and they were to keep that distance. Sometimes when I, I, I interact with parents here at JCC, I hear kids saying, Mommy, are we there yet? And parents will say, I'm driving. Now, parents, parents who say, be quiet, just play with your, with your game. Because the parent is trying to tell the child, child, I'm driving. Give me space to handle this situation. Allow me to take care of it. And some of us, we give God the request. We pray to God, but we don't give God time to operate. We pray like this. <laughs> Pastor, be with me. God, be with me at my job today. Help me, Lord, not to be stressed. But the moment we finish praying not to be stressed, we are still stressed. <laughs> Lord, I will give my son, my daughter, freedom. I really want to be a parent that is, is allowing my child to grow. <laughs> After the prayer, hey, where are you? <laughs> 
God is saying, can I have space? I mean, <laughs> give me space to operate. You've given it to me. Let me handle it. I mean, mothers, if you're in the kitchen cooking, how many of you like it for your husband to just be saying, hey, is it ready yet? I'm hungry. Go watch TV. Leave me alone. Jaga jarak. And God is saying, I need jaga jarak. Give me space to operate. I'm God after all. <laughs> And you're human. I can see the end from the beginning. We see the end at the end. God sees the end from the beginning. So give me space to operate. It was so important for this distance to happen. Listen, three times in the text, it's emphasized. Yet there shall be a distance between you and me. About 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near. No, 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 no. Don't come near. No, no. Don't come near. Stay, stay away. Sometimes we read the Bible with, with cultural eyes. Sometimes we go to the biblical text with our own thinking. As we read the biblical text, sometimes we're thinking about the boss. Sometimes we're thinking about our family. So sometimes we miss the meaning and the message of the text. I want you to see this. The text is presented as a military procession. The reason why the ark has to be given distance is because it's a procession. The Israelites are like soldiers. God is like a king who needs space. In those times, a king was surrounded by, by guards to be protected. And then the soldiers follow behind. It's a similar situation here, but there's a little difference. God doesn't need people to protect him. He's leading the way, but he doesn't need protection because he's God. And Sister Stella, what, what God is really trying to do is to tell the people like this. I'm fighting for you. Let me go meet it first before you come. Mm. Let me meet the cancer before you meet it. Let me meet the debt before you meet it. Let me be in conflict before you get in conflict. So give me space to work. Give me space to show you my power. Mm. Give me space to show you that I'm God and you're not. So when you give God space... You trust his ability to face your situation with his power. Ah! You say, God, mm, I'm an inky dinky person. God, I'm short, like me. <laughs> God, I ain't got the money. God, I ain't got the expertise. But I look at you and you got it. God, I'm at my wit's end. I don't know how to solve this. But you do. I don't know how you're going to show your power. But please do it. 
I trust in you. I believe in you. <laughs> but there's another reason. And I'm almost there. Space was not just space because God is going to operate. God was telling the Israelites, I'm holy and you're not. You know, my dad still treats me like a son today. Let me tell you what I mean. When I was growing up, I could not always speak back to my dad. You know what I'm saying? When the dad speaks, man, you, you're quiet like, uh, <laughs> like the wind, man, just quiet. But now my dad calls me. He tells me something. I say, hold up, dad. Uh, I get that, but I think I would like to do it this way. And then he will say like this, I'm your dad. In my head, I'm like, so? <laughs> in my head. In my head. <laughs> and out of respect for my dad, I will not speak back. Because he's still my dad. We can get close to God, but God still stays God. So God is telling them, I am God. Treat me like God. I require holiness. Make sure you behave holy with me. There never comes a day and age when I change who I am. Mm. I will never come down to your level. You always have to elevate to my level. You always got to be where I am. So keep the space because I'm God. Listen to me. Some of you think holiness is a big deal. Uh, when people are trying to be holy, you say they're being holier than thou. But here's what I need you to appreciate about holiness. Holiness tells you God will always be the same no matter what. You can trust him no matter what. He will never change on you. He'll never be different on you. He'll be consistent. He'll be persistent. He'll be insistent. And for me, that is a God that I can trust. For me... That is a God I can believe. For me, that is a God that I'm willing to rock with because he'll never change on me. Your health will change. Your body will change, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> Your black hair will be gray one day. Your family may change on you. Your friends may, may desert you. But God will never change. So I know it's your first time today. I know it's the first time. Keep on playing, my brother. We, we, we're wrapping this up. I know it's the first time. And you're scared about the first time. I, I'm here to let you know, don't be scared. Don't be scared. God is with you. He's got your back. I may like to say, you know what, Pastor? Yeah, it's time. It's time. It's time for the first time. It's time for me to jump in. It's time for me to go. It's time for me to apply. It's time for me to end. It's time for me to make a U-turn. Anybody? Let me see one more time. It's time for the first time. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful today because... You are a God who goes before us. You are a God who sets the pace for us.
And Father, we want to follow your pace. And Father, we want to give you space for you to run the race before us, Lord. Because Father, if you're not there for us, we can't make it. Somebody is scared today. They've never done it before. They've never said it before. They've never applied before. They've, they've never ended it before. But Father, today is time for the first time. Please, Lord, give grace and strength. Thank you, Lord, for being faithful and kind. Please give us, give us power. Give us hope because that's what we need today. Thank you, Father, for being kind. Thank you, Father, for being loving. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. I know God spoke to you. I know you want to respond. But you may not know how. You may not know when. Let me tell you the how. There's a number on the screen. Reach out to us. And we're going to show you the next house. Let me tell you when. Right now. Right now. Don't delay. Today, if you hear your voice. Today. Today. Respond. Perhaps the Lord also has impacted you. And you like to give and partner with us in ministry. We have an account number on the screen. Kindly give. Whatever gift, whatever amount, trust me, we'll be more than grateful and happy for it. And it's going to help us to proclaim the love of Jesus. Until then, take care. God bless you. Thank you.